Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. I'm really excited today to be talking with you. This is Manny Almonte, everyone, from Camping to Connect. And you have a program in Colorado and also New York that is something every day that I've seen a different Instagram post. It is just amazing the work you're doing. And it, it gets me, I, I actually get emotional about it because I know the power of the work you're doing. Taking young men out into nature and helping them to become leaders and to become the best versions of themselves. And I'm just really so pleased to be able to talk with you today. So thank you and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to speak with you this morning and to represent our organization, Camping to Connect. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really curious about, I have like a lot of questions. I always have a lot of the questions I have aren't necessarily the grand questions as much as hearing about what exactly you do and how students come into your program and how do they adapt to what probably is a very unique experience for them. And also questions like, where do you find your instructors and your guides? And because that's like such an important piece to this type of mission as well. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Camping to Connect and how that kind of got started. Uh, Yeah. In a nutshell, through Camping to Connect, we foster leadership, brotherhood, and inclusion in the outdoors. That's in a nutshell. And then to speak more about who we are and along what we do. We are a BIPOC-led experiential mentorship program uh, that uses outdoor recreation and nature immersion to address the diverse issues faced by uh, young men of color in large cities like New York and right now Denver, Colorado. And we talk about things and address issues, mental health and healthy masculinity as we work with young men. Mm -hmm. But the key to the program is that it's it's relatable mentorship, right? For men of color, who came together in the spirit of brotherhood to build, to help each other navigate life, to help each other become the best versions of themselves. And rather, I'm going to say of ourselves because I'm I'm one of them. I'm one of the founders and I am a member. Uh, So I benefit from that as well. The goal was basically for me to create that space that I, I needed I was seeking, I couldn't find it, and I created it. <laughs> so it, it's one of those things that this did not start as a journey that had anything to do with youth. It was with the men. Yes. And as the men were <clears throat> navigating this space and helping each other and showing each other different experiences and sharing different experiences from working out together to being introduced to journaling and doing yoga and meditation. And then the following Two weeks later, going to a studio to practice Muay Thai (laughs) Uh and exposing each other to these experiences, we began to learn to come out of our comfort zones and to see that there were things that we had never even thought about doing or maybe were hesitant to do because they looked so foreign to us Mm -hmm. or scary that we wouldn't do it on our own by having these other men in that spirit of fellowship and brotherhood. We were supporting each other's passions and bringing each other into these this other spaces. And one of them was actually nature and 
going camping and hiking. The organization, the brother is called Mastermind Connect. When we went camping, we called it Camping to Connect. It was very intentional because it, it wasn't so much about doing the activity. It, it, it was more about coming together in a space where we didn't have the chaos of the city, the technology, just to find that quiet place and so that we can commune. And then by doing these activities, we were able to connect even further. We we're cooking together. We we're you know, going on a hike together, supporting each other. We're not familiar with it. In fact, when I offered to go camping for the first time, I would say the majority of the men said no. Only a handful said yes. But because we were supporting each other and our passions, then we got like another 60 men to go for that weekend. And and we've been doing that ever since. That was in 2017. And we've been doing that ever since. But that also translated to the work with youth. Because by 2017, we had also started to do activities that fell under the category of giving back for us, right? So there were right. different things that we wanted to do. Giving back was one of them. And we started doing, what do you call it, workshops on financial literacy, how to start a business, and all these different things for community at large in New York City. But then after coming together and learning all these new things, we realized that the best investment that we could make was to work on the next generation of Mastermind Connect members, meaning of yeah. men who, who share our, our, our backgrounds. And in that investment meant, okay, we are building the foundation for this brotherhood, for this collective. Why don't And, and we, we realize in so many things that we need to learn, relearn, or unlearn. So why don't we work with the teenagers, the high schoolers, which usually when talking about youth programming and talking about black youth, brown, mm-hmm. brown, black and brown kids, they there's not a lot for them because they are deemed to be, I don't know, like this, the perception is a lost cause or dangerous and all these different labels, right? So programs usually want to work with middle schoolers or even better elementary school age students. Hey. But then once you go into those 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, yeah, they don't want to touch them. But that's exactly the, the the entry point for us. That's who we want to be working with. At the end of the day, we want to be able to create a space where they can learn, have mentorship, but share experiences that gives them the information they need to make better choices in life when they come at a crossroad. So that's the program, that's the intention, and that is who does the work. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so how many people were in your uh, men's group as you got as you began building? Was that something that was just a few people and then it grew? Or did you attract a lot of different men in that adult group that you then began giving back to the youth? Is that, I'm interested, yeah. that evolved. Because it sounds... Well, yeah, yeah. In, t- in 2016, it was four of us, four men who committed to the idea and presented it to our network individually. And it was about men, period, because we found that women build sisterhood emotionally. They connect emotionally, right? So they can talk about whatever's going on. They can show emotion. They can actually connect at a deeper level than men. Men connect through doing things, right? So 
what that really <laughs> for me is we connect, we play sports, we go watch a game, we talk about cars, we talk about our, our careers, we talk about all these things that relate to an activity, right? And playing a game and whatnot. Yes. And that's great, but we really don't talk about our feelings and what's happening in our lives. Like when you ask a man, it's usually, yeah, I'm okay. And everything is crumbling, right? Women, when they talk to each other, on the other hand, they can express feelings and emotions and talk about their lives and and, and, and cry if they have to, right? And all that. And, and lend a, a shoulder. We're both capable of doing that. We both have masculine and feminine energy. So it, it, it's about we present how it's managed, how it shows up. And, right. and it's one of those things that's okay. We're going through a lot <laughs> individually. And we never talk about these things. In seeking other, for other men to join or to be a part of this, the four men that started this were men of color. And so it wasn't designed to be for men of color directly. It was simply for to create a space for men. But based on social currencies, the people that who were closer to us, who actually believed in, in doing something like this, were other men of color, the, 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 the majority. And then as we were talking about what was going on in our lives, we found that we could relate in, in many different points because of cultural affinity, right? Being part of the African diaspora, for example, being right. the immigrants, all of these experiences that sort of color our lives and we've also found that the ones that we have who didn't have that cultural affinity couldn't really fully connect because either they didn't understand it at a deep level they couldn't really relate and at some point there was also a bit of judgment and biased because right. not even intentional but simply that's how we build especially in america our education system i think jane elliot was the one that said we are born equal, and then the education system, especially here in America, starts to create division and biases. So white people, as she said, end up having biases and racial tendencies, not because they're bad people, or right. it doesn't make them bad people, it's simply that the perception, their perception of the other <laughs> it becomes skewed, right? So now it's a whole relearning of all that. But within that, the men themselves, and at that point, year one, it was about 20 of us, we found that we could connect and we, we could understand about our struggles and our our backgrounds. By year two, we had a, we, had, we started in New York City. By year two, we had a chapter in Washington, D.C. And we were about 50, 60. By year three, we were about 100. And it wasn't about the quantity of men. It was... A, when I say quality, I want to say that people know better than anybody, but the intention of whoever was invited or, or joining needed to be, I want to become the best version of myself and I want to adhere to our pillars of resources, reciprocity, and respect. So accountability was huge. Empathy was huge as well. And understanding the value of the tribe of community and the philosophy of the African philosophy of Ubuntu. I am because we are. Yeah. So we had to have alignment there. It wasn't just about, oh, you are a person of color or you are a man or a maladetified individual. It, it was about those values. And within that, there was a vetting process. Within that, there was this sort of flow of who we wanted to have in our cipher that can elevate the not only the organization, but like each other. And then the work that we're doing with the youth 
was a reflection of that. And that started in 2017, even before we went camping, like working with youth was the investment in, in, in creating the foundation right. of this community we wanted to build. So what I'm, what's interesting to me, and I always think of this when I see someone like what you just described as all these, these different elements of your values and the principles and becoming the best version. Did your group spend a lot of time thinking about that a lot and going back and forth? Or was it something that just naturally came together where everyone says, yeah, we like this, let's do it, as opposed to, I don't know, I know some groups where we'll just argue for a long time and go, no, yeah, Yeah, you know what I'm saying? uh, Like, it was always organic, right? So that's yeah. why we said there wasn't a strategy about getting a lot of members or going to DC or anything like that. That, that wasn't the plan. The plan was simply for us, the founding members, to have that space. And as we were doing things, and the member says, I have this friend. I spoke with this guy. He sees that I'm doing X. I think he'll, he would be great for this, or this would be great for him. Yeah, That was the sort of the, the flow. Even our work with the youth, one started because one of our members who lives in East New York, Brooklyn, borderline with Brownsville, which is where Mike Tyson is from. So this member, his name is Frank Mena. He's first generation Dominican-American. And he grew up, and his brother grew up in, in that space. And he had you know, Puerto Rican kids, the black kids, and Middle Eastern kids, like a melting pot, as New York City is. Yeah. But then living in that space is low-income, underrepresented, underserved communities, right? And something that he benefited from growing up was this youth programs, after-school programs. And uh, as an adult, and he's in his 20s, he volunteered for nonprofits working that way in after-school programs. It, it, at the time, he was a assistant basketball coach for an after-school program. Mm-hmm. And his passion was youth. His passion was to, to be able to bring value to his community. So as we were supporting each other's passion, he brought up, okay, so we, we've gone work, we've worked out, we've done the Muay Thai thing. What I want is to actually create a day where we actually come and work with, with these kids. And we actually said, okay, like we're going we're gonna to support that. And we put something together at a middle school in, in Brooklyn where we had kids from, bust in from the five most under, underserved communities or neighborhoods on a Saturday, that was like May 2017. And that Saturday was from like 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. We did a, we gave them breakfast, we did a little, then we did, we gave them six options for like workshops and we we played drums, they, a bunch of different things that we were doing and at, ended with like a boot camp session outside, working out with them. So a lot of the things that we were doing as men was brought it to them. And they loved it, the kids loved it. When by the time they went back on, on, on Monday to talk to the other kids in school, the other kids were as, actually asking the the Coalition for Hispanic Services, which was a nonprofit that we partnered up with at the, at the time to do this, if this was going to be every Saturday because they just heard it was so great they wanted to do it again. And that was on the, on, on the kids' end, but yeah. the sixteen men that showed up, it was life changing, including myself, who was organizing as a leader, I was organizing this thing. It's, that was incredible. Yeah. I've always supported like nonprofits. I donated. Somebody asked me to donate to a cause. I, I would, but I didn't know how powerful it was to actually be in front of this kids, yeah, and to mentor and to have that opportunity. 
and it changed everything for me and yeah. for a lot of the men. And that's when we started the Young Masterminds Initiative. So now we're going to be working with kids and we're going to do career panels. We're going to do life skills workshops. We're going to do a, a, a program called Mastermind Master Body that focuses on the wellness part, mm-hmm. mental and physical. Mm-hmm. And then, and we started that way. And then by the time we went camping in June, the men says, okay, so this is one more thing that we can bring the, the kids to. Because again, we're just learning about this thing. Look how powerful it is. Bring it to the kids. And that's how we started Camping to Connect as another yeah. program of the Young Masterminds Initiative. Yeah, and I, I I don't know if a lot of people who are not working with youth, which is a lot of people in the in this country, I don't think people really understand what it's like to witness something where children are being fed by what we're offering. Like when they're like I when you were describing that workshop and the music and working out. Like I could just see those in my mind, those young men just like soaking that in. Like they something they went, wow, I've been I didn't even know I was craving this my whole life. Like if, if you go and you eat some kind of really good food that you've never had before, and you're like, what have I been doing for the last 30 years? Like what? All right. And to see the change in them and then to have them turn around and obviously start talking about it because they're so excited that they can't stop talking. It's just, it's incredible. It's such an incredible feeling. And I don't know if a lot of educators or people really understand what that's like to witness that and to also be part of that team of creating it. So that I can just feel yeah. how you guys must've been like floating on a cloud. At the, at you know, the and again, day, it's right? like you said earlier, it has been organic because we've been even, we didn't set out to start a nonprofit organization. Yeah. Right. We were great with like just supporting other, yes. other uh, another organization or then the, somebody from the New York City Department of Education who, who was running this fantastic program called Urban Ambassadors, bringing kids from all five boroughs on Saturday mornings nice. to different venues in New York to, and these were high school juniors and seniors, right? So to prepare them to go to college and to get scholarships and set them in a path to, for graduation and then to college. And because of, uh, they saw what we were doing and mm. The collective, and maybe I forgot to say this, it's made up of a bunch of professional individuals. Like you have some teachers, you have some, what do you call it, creative types, photographers, filmmakers. Then you have like little artists. Then you have uh, attorneys and and doctors and architects and people in tech. We have an executive at Microsoft and people at Facebook and Meta and all this. So (laughs) it's a collective of men who come from like different backgrounds. So they all each have something to offer. Yeah. So being able to be in front of these kids where we don't assign a mentor to the kid, we just come together and then the, the kids basically get to almost pick and choose yeah. Yeah. who they want to build with, but not exclusively. Right. It's, I see that there's value in talking to Charlie Vargas, who's an amazing attorney and he's you know, a great guy and first generation Dominican-American from, yeah. was, from, was, from Harlem, New York. And now you have the kids to make affinity there with him and also an interest in either the career or mm-hmm. simply Charlie's life or the way that he handles it. I want to be like Charlie because of X. But then he has, do we have Marlon Briscoe, who is a, what do you call it? A physical uh, 
trainer and uh, competes at a national level. We have uh, Carlos Davila, who's an actual professor at Long Island University, but also competes in across the competitions and, like, and, and a trainer, all these things. So a kid can see different opportunities for mentorship and they don't have to be stuck with one way. They can get all these different resources because right. these men are right. willing and able, right? Which is exactly what we as the men of the collective were receiving, being imbued by all of these awesome individuals who can offer perspectives and offer like some expertise and resources. And, and I don't have to pick one. I can have them all. So the kids have that too. So the, yes. the, the kids program is a reflection of the men's collective, right? What we do for right. the men, we do for the kids. <clears throat> yes. with the kids. Yeah. Wow, that must be, it just, I, I just know that feeling and I just know that's incredible for, for them to see a, ver a potential version of themselves successful and excited and being able to take care and handle their business and have those, like you said, develop those ideas of, yeah, if I want to get there, then what are the choices I have to make? And to be able to then ask questions to them and yeah. Yeah, but now, now, now let me flip that thought now for mm -hmm. you. Let me flip it for you. Yeah. Because that's, I think that's the key to our whole program of, you know, when I speak about relatable mentorship, it speaks to how we see ourselves, our self-perception and understanding of the world and seeing others who have either are sharing our journey in life or have, you know, walked ahead of us. And usually mentorship in the traditional sense is have somebody that shows you the way so you can maybe be like like them. You have a professional and it's, wow, I'm going to give you the tools to get here. And usually the what's portrayed is this idea of success. For us, it's different. We're sharing space with these kids and we're showing up with our wins and our losses. We're showing up as, 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 as human, right? Mm -hmm. We show them that it's okay not to be know that you don't have it all together right now. It's okay that if you're struggling with uh, with something, like some of these kids bring up things that are happening or have happened to them that they have they don't speak about it in school or even at home. Nobody like knows because we create that space, especially in nature. Yeah, uh, sitting around the campfire and 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 getting getting to to talk. And the number one rule for both the men's collective and for the youth organization is that we don't offer advice; we share perspectives. Okay. And then we teach them what they what that is. We teach them about what empathy is, so that we can listen, so that we can actually don't not 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 judge and project, but rather uh, place ourselves in the other shoes. Yeah. So once once we teach that, the the kids get to like practice that. So in that, sometimes the kids have shared things that they're going through, and and as we go on around and 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 we talk about how we can relate to X and how we have addressed the issue and, and maybe successfully have uh, done it. At the same time, we also can say, I struggle with that too. And in, in 40 years of my life, I, I still haven't been able to figure that out. Yeah. Maybe we can work on this together. Maybe you can tell, what do you think? And to be honest with you, having moments that these kids have said things that were like, wow, I never saw it that way. Thank you for that because actually I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah. So they're teaching us as much as we are teaching them, quote unquote. So it's creating that space for vulnerability and to show that we don't have to, we don't have to have it together. We aim for that. We're trying to navigate this life and yeah. it's not easy. And even when we think we have it together, then it comes out of left field. Something right. comes up that you may not be prepared for. Every time. You know, so what kind of tools are you gaining to 
to protect yourself from not declining in your mental health, which drives everything else, yeah. and manage yourself. So that's what we're, we're working together on. So right. this is not about us teaching the kids. This is about sh- us sharing the space with the kids, sharing life and experiences with these kids. And we are all learning together. Wow. That's great. That's great. And must, what you're doing, I think, is something that a lot of outdoor programs, I think, would love to do in some ways, but maybe just have no idea how to get there. Like I've been in a lot of different programs and sometimes the program is, we're going to put our packs on, we're going to hike to this mountain peak, and then we're going to camp at the bottom of this valley. And we're going to, we're going to ascend and descend this many thousand feet. And when we get there, we're going to have macaroni and cheese for dinner. Like it's this, okay, bare bones, we're going to have this experience. And then maybe if your instructors are really emotionally capable, there may be things along the way that can happen. But there's a real difference. Like some people really feel really uncomfortable being in that environment where everyone is starting to share. And so I could just imagine your program being something that is just so eye-opening for those those youth. I, I Is that something that you ever notice? Are there students that really hold back or choose not to share for a while in order to get comfortable? Or do they ever say, hey, this isn't for me and opt out? Yeah. And, and even when we are right of passage experience, especially like yes. the first time that they come out with us, we are ex- we're super intentional about uh, this program. And there's value in outdoor programs that teach kids about outdoor skills and, and just sure. taking them out there and then see what happens, right? Hope that they actually, but by being in that space, they, they get to talk to you about some things and all. We flip that. Our program is called Camping to Connect, not Connect to Camp. Right. So the goal is the connection is not it's not being outdoors. We've been celebrated for as an outdoors program. And thank God, like really, that's what's driving our uh, the funding and everything that we're doing right now so that we can operate. Um, But also what's separating us. And and we have right now collaborations. We have done it. And right now there's a lot of those coming up of organizations that are actually outdoor programs. That's what they run. But they understand that what we bring to the table, our program is different. Yes. We don't just hire or, or have our volunteers to be men of color. The whole organization is. So they they, they look, they, when they, we have a kid working with us, in the traditional sense, let's say, for the most part, the facilitators are not going to look like these kids. That's for the most part. Yeah. If there's an effort being made to diversify that and staff is hired, and then you might have some people of color Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's half, sometimes maybe the, all of the facilitators may be in, in, in the trip. But then you have a kid in, that's, that joined that organization as a participant for further programming. And, and I'm sp- speaking specifically for those who are not just like a, a drop-in, one-time type of program. And then they look at the leadership. And when they look at the leadership, it's a perpetuation of colonialism. Right. Who holds the reins? Who has the power? Who actually... The, the, the people who are work, that who are right working with me are employees or are like sub, right? So it's okay. It's a repetition of everything. But when they look behind that person in our program, they, they see more of us. It's okay. This is ours, yeah. which is extremely powerful. It's important. And when you go then with an intention of 
the connection the and, and talk, speak about what vulnerability means, accountability and empathy, right? Like we do teach this. That's like number one thing we do. We have community agreements and we speak to, we ask them what it is that, what their boundaries are. And we explain the value of that. And then we go into grounding ourselves. Like the first thing we do when we arrive and we do the opening circle is that we take off our shoes and our socks and we actually put have the feet touch the grass. And even in that exercise, which sets the tone for the rest of the experience, we do tell them why we're doing it and everything, but still, if you don't feel comfortable, it's okay. But yeah. this is what the value is, like that you may want to tap into. And some of the kids are hesitant and you see them take off their shoes, but not their socks. And then you, or you see them take off their socks, but then put like place their feet on top of the shoes. Exactly. At, at first, it's like a game. It's like, always. Oh, it always happens. But then we create this space. Our curriculum is more based on these conversations and this part than the actual outdoors. Yes, we do teach them about how to pitch a tent, how to start a fire, how to cook sure, out sure. the outdoors. We teach them about you know, how to navigate a trail. And we teach them about leave no trace principles and about the, who were the original natives to the land and why it's important to recognize. We do speak to all of that. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah, absolutely. But that's almost like we need to know how to pitch a tent because we're going to be sleeping in the tent and all that. So the goal is not like to teach the kids how to tie in. No, it's, we need to teach you this because this is the space that we're going to be living in. We need to pitch a, create a, a campfire safely. And this is how you do it. And this is also why you do it. You don't do it this way because then that could create a hazard. But at the end of the day, it's just to create, this is what we're doing together to build this little tribe, right? This, yeah. this space so that we can get to talk about life and talk about what's going on so the option is always given to answer your question to for them not to share at the moment and whenever right. they feel like they, they have something to say that they can the way that we actually qualify how good we're doing as facilitators or as leaders for this program is one key metric when we are working with these kids whether it's for the weekend for the day or for their journey with us the more they talk when we are doing these activities, when we are around the campfire, the less that we talk and we just simply offer like prompts, the more successful or rather that's how we are. We know that we've been successful. If we have to ask a question and then spend time talking about it, why it's important. And we say, we ask a kid, so what do you think about it? And the kid speaks, and then he, everybody's looking at us to ask who else is going to go, let's raise their hands. That is not success. Success is that we're, I'm sharing about something. Yes. And a kid wants to offer his thoughts on that. Or, oh, yeah, I saw something like that before. Or actually, I, I, it happened to me. And then another kid jumps in, yeah, I saw that too. But, and, and, we say, and then we immediately go, well, how about we reframe that instead of but and say and? Right. Oh, why? Because... When you say bot, it, it denying whatever he said, like shutting it down. So we say maybe yes. And all of these things obviously are things that we techniques that we learn. Yes. But in that space, we're teaching them without being in the classroom and and and, and we're just simply doing things. And, and we like dropping these little tools. Yes. And 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 one of them one of them gets like super animated, talking about his own having a, a bit a strong opinion about something. And then the other wants to come and shut that down and say, no, wait a minute. That's how he feels about this. So, it's okay. It's not about right or wrong here. 
Yeah. We, we're not trying to be right. We're not trying to tell the other person is wrong. We just, that's his perspective. Yeah. And then another kid say, yeah, because no, what, what you got to do is that what he has to do, or maybe how you feel that could be handled or addressed or what you would do. Because that's the difference between offering advice and telling somebody what to do versus perspective. So those are the things that we are constantly right. like dropping. And then we say that and then whoop, come back, go back to <laughs> staying quiet and letting them continue. And if we at some point see that sort of like we need to move on, like we we again use the, those mechanisms to say, yeah, by the way, I heard Jose said something very interesting. Jose said X, I feel that blah, blah, and I go. And then another kid that now we go into a whole nother lane. Yes. So it's not like we have a set of questions that we're going to like, no, it flows. It flows. Yeah. It's creating that space. And, and, and the kids get to learn then how to listen, how to actually express themselves, how to respond instead of reacting to something. And yeah. these are things that they're going to take home with them to the neighborhoods. And they're going to apply right. that in life. Yeah. Outside of that camp, the campsite. Right? Yeah. So that's yeah. the program. That's the program. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And those are things that change, that fundamentally change your life if you learn those tools. Because if you learn to listen and you learn to speak and be inclusive, when, like you said, not shut anyone down or tell them what they should do, which are things that can create people to be defensive. If you can do that, and and that's those are clear leadership principles and qualities that will attract people to you because of that and make things easier in your family, in your relationships, in your community. It's just, it, those are far reaching principles that right now we really, I believe we really need in the world. Yeah. That's that. If, if you watch Woodhood, which is our award-winning short film, was best short at Banff. It premiered last year at the Telluride, Telluride Mountain Festival. It's a 15 minute short that was shot over the course of a weekend. And 90% of those kids, it was their first time, right? For only Devon Bullock, the, a kid that's been with us since 2019, who actually came to our program because the school counselor reached out to us. He was about to get expelled from the school and he he didn't do well with male teachers. It pretty yeah. much had troubles with everybody, but more than anything with male teachers. And nobody actually cared to understand what was happening in his life. And at home, it was very chaotic. And a whole lot of things had to do with men. So it was referred to us. We were on a day hike. He liked it. And we went camping. So he's been with us since, since then. Now he's an apprentice or rather a junior facilitator. So uh, in that film, uh, he's the one who says, this is the this is our hood. This is our woodhood, right? Being, being out in nature. You'll notice at the beginning of that, the film, meaning when we arrived, that it's a Friday morning, it's a one-hour trip from New York, from, from Brooklyn, New York, up to Harriman State Park, and actually to the Delaware Water Gap in, in, in New Jersey. Right. And these kids <laughs> were like, I'm hungry, I'm sleepy, and, and, and complaining, right? And then you ask, you, you try to open up and sit down with them and ask them some questions just to fill them out a little bit on, on how they're feeling. And, and they're not really responding. I don't know. But they're like very short. At the end of that weekend, these kids are like open and talking and everything because what they see is that is one of the things that's key to our program is this brotherhood. We always talk about brotherhood. The men who are facilitating this, whether it's two or four men, that, that's usually depending on the on the size of the uh, of the group. 
that we have, and we try to keep it intimate to up to 12 kids. We started with 20, 25, even 35 kids at, at one point and realized that we wanted to keep it intimate and also wanted to do tent camping rather than, or backpacking rather than going into cabins because it changes the dynamic of, of things. But what they see is this. They see that the men who yeah. are leading the, the, the trip have a relationship that's brotherhood, and they can they can say I love you, man. Or you, somebody says something, and 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 maybe it's out of line, and the other one, hey, that thing, no, that was a little too much. And then it's you know what, I see it. I'm sorry, my I, I really apologize. That wasn't my intention. These kids are seen in real time, not because we want to do an exercise to show them how to do. No, this is us. That's the relationship, right? That's how we yeah. are behaving. That's who we are, and yeah. they are looking at us. So what they begin to see is not two facilitators or, or staff. They're just seeing two men who look like them talking to each other in kindness and love and caring about how the other feels and caring about how the, the other one is doing. Hey, do you need help here and there? And even the way that we put the trips together, at the very minimum, we do a, we're going to do a day hike and we have two facilitators. At the very minimum, two, we will have one that is proficient in the outdoor space and train, and the other one cannot be just a match to that. It needs to be somebody who's big on emotional intelligence, big on, on, on talking to kids, working with kids. Ideally, we have both of them are, and we do work on that training. Our facilitators get certified on outdoor leadership training through the Appalachian Mountain Club and, and, and how to take the kids out there and work with them and run this type of program. And then we have people who teach us about emotional intelligence, how to work with the kids. But and yeah. so sometimes we have a teacher, right? To, meaning that he works with kids on a daily basis, but he may not be strong about the outdoor part. So we pair him with yeah. somebody who's strong about the outdoor part, right? So little by little, as we continue to do things, and they both become strong in, in both yes. areas, right? Yeah. But there's no way within our program that we're going to have two guys who are great at the outdoors, but not at connecting with the kids at that level and to yeah. speak you know, in, in that way. It's very intentional. It's very yeah. intentional. And we're proud of that. Yeah. You really should be because that is that I believe that is something that I have heard from so many nature programs and forest schools and other things out there where they'll constantly ask me, hey, where can I find more instructors? Where can I find someone who has those qualities, who knows some of these things and who also has that emotional intelligence and connection, that connecting type person? And I always try to say, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like you can have someone who's really good at like wilderness and nature skills, but they're not necessarily always the best at that facilitation. But sometimes then I hire someone who doesn't know any of that. And people go, like some of the instructors will go, why is that person here? And I'm just like, no, you don't understand. They're here to not only to teach the children, but also you, where it's hoping that you're going to rub off on each other too. So right. that it all really grow. And, and it's hard. That's a hard thing. What you're doing is phenomenal because it's raising the standard of expectation and possibility and potential for everyone 
which is I probably the ideal for all outdoor programming. And that's what makes it so hard for us to have the capacity, right? I was, yeah. by August, I'm living in Denver, Colorado now, where we expanded our program to, and I had to keep going back to New York many times. And I remember for my birthday, I went to Seattle, Washington, and it was August 15th. It was, I think, a Monday or Tuesday. And I was, it was three days for me and my wife to go there and visit. It was our first time there. And I remember I was so tired that I spent most of the time sleeping. Yeah. And for my the day of my birthday, we had dinner like at four o'clock. And we had dinner at four o'clock. By six o'clock, I was sleeping because I was just drained out. And the reason yeah. for that is yeah. because although we have had many people who want to be a part of this and volunteer, the way we started this was with this man from the collective, the brotherhood. And, the, and now we, we understand we need to expand because not everybody, these are professionals, these, these are not staff, these are volunteers. And right. not all of the members are about the outdoors. They then they do other things and they do career panels, they're supporting other ways. But building the capacity to have this type of men, it's not just having a men of color. Right. It's not just having somebody who is a man of color and professional about the outdoors. I gave you the biggest example or the source to our program. The kids are looking at us and the way that we interact with each other. And these are men who are all have the same goal, which is to become the best versions of ourselves, for ourselves and our family, and then for this yeah. community and the kids. So we're not higher staff. Yeah. In fact, for that, we've been doing this since 2017, up until last year, the board actually put me on salary. We were all volunteering for this, yeah. right? And now, finally, I got a part-time program coordinator, which is a product, a kid who's a product from the program. And it's, it's, we want to nurture that, but also we need support. Right now, sure. at this point, we're opening up the pool of volunteers, at, at the very least for the back end, because we didn't, do need that support as we grow in the organization. So you don't have to be a, a man of color or even a, necessarily a person of color, although there are some criteria there of, of, of the understanding of what it means to, to work with us, to have the values right, for yes. diversity, equity, inclusion, to support the effort, right? Now, yeah. working with the kids directly, especially programming-wise, yeah, it's not just like a, a person of color who knows about the outdoors. It needs to be like somebody who understands what we're building here, that his mindset, that person's mindset is about, have, has to have that light, that emotional intelligence or a level of it. And that's what we want to put in front of these kids. It's not just two guys with with a bunch of, 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 of teenagers, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's so it's true. hard. It is. <laughs> to have that <laughs> on it top really of everything. Is. Imagine we're trying to, to come into a space of outdoors that has traditionally, there's not a lot of us. That's what we're working on, right? Yeah. So imagine yeah. that if our program is exclusively like that for the facilitators. And then on top of that, you need to have this kind of <laughs> person too. Yeah. The pool yes. is so small. <laughs> yeah, it gets, it gets really narrow really fast. It's true. Yeah. And it's uh, that it comes from deep within. Yeah, it has to really resonate. And yeah, I've had I've hired a lot of people over the 35 years that I've been running like a wilderness camp. And there's a lot of people that just want to, they want to share everything that they know, and they don't necessarily want to learn anything on that other side of it back. Uh, not that they won't still learn, but, and then sometimes you have 
just people who are just wanting to be part of it all and they don't really know how to give back. And so it's a real interesting dance. And then it's tough to be able to put that all together for your program. But it sounds like what you're doing is is navigating that process and you have a recipe that works. And now to grow it, that's the biggest challenge, I think, It's is how do we reach capacity when the need, the, the number of teen, teen boys and these young men is vast. It's million, literally millions of people. Yeah. And we have to, out of that, you have to, you're in the middle of trying to craft and say, how do we create a really powerful group of educators and mentors and space providers, or there isn't really even a good word for it yet, but mentors maybe is the best word. And how do we find that to be able, those people, and they have to be somewhat healthy in it to be in a position to give back. And we're all, everybody's struggling. Healthy and open. Like they need to be open to continue to, be healthier. Yes. Again, we don't just show up in this case like we we got it together. Let me show you the way. We show up. <laughs> and listen, we are in this together. <laughs> yeah. Let's work on learning the way together. I'll show you what I know, what I've learned so far. You show me what you got, and we're gonna be also experiencing things in which we both are gonna be learning at the same time. That's so right. That's that's the space. And now, as far as you're talking about the cap- capacity, right? We've been asked to go and, and operate in like all over the country in fact right. even overseas we we have received emails from people in, in from south africa to, yeah. to new zealand after watching the film after watching Woohoo, right the film itself put us in a place again just go, growing organically and doors have been opening up it's funny because we didn't even set out to create a film we right. went to patagonia to apply for a grant and we were like a week late for their jedi grant but we had a one-minute reel of our program, and when they watched it and they learned about what we were doing, they actually said, you know what? We have a media grant that's right. going to – that's about two more weeks to go. You have time to apply. If you were to do that, perhaps this could be a good way for you to highlight your work and to maybe use it as a tool for recruitment for the kids and everything. It's, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. We can definitely use it. It was $20,000, and so we can create a nice – three, four, maybe five minutes video that we can actually use in schools and all for, especially to get the kids in. And it, it was like, okay, let's go, let's do it. And once we actually brought, you know, this director at the school in and resonant pictures from Brooklyn, who's had, we, we, we knew he actually helped us with that reel. We can bring like good cameras. The deal was like not to affect the integrity of the program. So you yeah. can bring, Long lenses, great mics. You're not gonna ask the kids to repeat themselves to say X to to even pos- sit a certain way. You're gonna capture what you're gonna capture, and we're gonna just create something with that. And he came over the course of a weekend with his director of photography, and then two weeks later, because we wanted to know like the location and how the program runs, it was just them two, the two of them, and they brought long lenses, a little drone, and good mics. Yeah. And they will place it in strategically. They were part of the actual experience. Like oh, not, wow. not just like filming. They were part of the experience. And, and that was part of the, I want to say contract, because it wasn't in writing, but it was something that, listen, you're going to be in this space. You're going to be sharing the space. Right. So what we do, you do. Yeah. And when we're cooking together, when the, you know, there's going to be a time you grab the camera when you can, but if we're going to be having a, a conversation, you're going to be part of that. And they were like, oh, we want to focus on this. I'm like, oh, you'll see. 
by the time that we were there, sometimes they forgot the camera was rolling there because they were like, okay, it's your turn now. Like, how do you feel about X? They could get to know them. They were able to, instead of seeing a cameraman, like somebody, they just saw Alex. Yeah. And Alex is talking about his life. Yeah. And something that, that they also experienced, which they, they say was most powerful, is that after we send the kids to bed, then we gather around the fire, the, the, the men, the facilitators, to talk about the day, what we learned, what we saw, any feedback. And then once we get past that, now we, okay, so how are you doing? How's life? And sometimes I tell you, we have to wake up at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And we've been easily there at one something in the morning, yeah. reminding each other, we have to go to sleep. We got to go to sleep. We got to wake up. Because now it's like our time to sit around the fire and and, and just catch up and, and, and talk about what's going on in our lives. And, and when the guys, the, 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 video, the, the director of photography and the director of the film were there, they, 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 they couldn't believe it because it's like, what's happening here? I thought this was a KISS program, right? <laughs> all of a sudden, we are all having these deep conversations where people yeah. are like even sometimes breaking down crying, right? Outside mm-hmm. of that space with the kids. The yeah. same thing happened with somebody that climate, the outdoor brand, sent a videographer because they, they had a line of camping gear that they were going to release last year or they released last year. But at the time it was to have somebody come to the trip and they based, based out of Utah. And we said, fantastic. You can send somebody, but please let it be a, first of all, a, be a, a man of color. Right. Mm-hmm. And they found actually uh, this videographer who's Puerto Rican living in Utah. No, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he came over and by that second night, we actually spent like an hour or so just talking about his life and about his grandmother being from Bushwick, New York, and talking about how he felt living in Utah and like the the impact that has had in his life and how he wishes that he had this space. For an hour, yeah, one o'clock in the morning, this man was actually breaking down. He was the videographer. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Incredible. Yeah. Right? So and that's, that's why and that's why you slept all those days all those days in, in Seattle too. Because you're absolutely oh absolutely. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm so tired after this <laughs> emotionally, mentally, physically, every, everything is I feel drained. Like I come home and that Monday I usually tell my wife, listen, I'm, I'm I cannot like I need some some time for myself. Time to, and yeah. then by noon, I'm like, oh, I have all these like emails and the kids and all the parents and, and all and oh, back on the horse. So it's, it's very tiring. Oh. Yes. Uh, it, it, but it's also it really very for my soul. It's, and it's a lot like, it's not necessarily therapy in the way that a therapist might listen to someone one-on-one and then they sit with that person's revelation of what their life is like. And I know some, a lot of therapists say they have to, that it's a good practice to go to someone else and be able to decompress and to learn not to take on the the weight, the emotional weight of the experiences of everyone. And I could imagine that's really one of the reasons why it's so important to go and work together as the men, as the facilitators of the program to be able to decompress afterwards mm-hmm. and do that into the night because otherwise it's hard to carry. It's I know for me being with a bunch of uh, teenagers, they share things that really stay with you as a leader to, to feel what they have felt and what they go through. And some of it's pretty heavy stuff, man. It's not, 
It's not very heavy, very heavy. Yeah. Unless it's something, unless it's something that is conversation about suicidal thoughts or something like that or self harm. Yeah. No, we those things we actually have to talk to the parents about and, and, and report. Yeah. Sure. Uh, anything else, we don't. Or anything yeah. else, the kids need to. They learn. They know that they're going to have a space in which they can really talk about how they feel or whatever's going on mm-hmm. and not have any judgment or like coming back to like school to hunt them. It, it's just that space, right? Yeah. And you were talking about therapists, which is funny because we do have therapists in our in the brotherhood and also who are part of the program. And even our curriculum is built with that in mind. Like they, they have an in. And so we have it both in New York and Colorado, right? And they say even therapists need therapists. And yes. not only do they have their own therapies they go to but the space that we create for communion and affinity is also space that they need like the space of brotherhood for example we meet every week ever since i came to denver as i've been building here i'm meeting amazing individuals now we meet every wednesday right just yesterday we, we were coming together and so the rich jaeger who's the the therapist that we have that lives here he comes sometimes out of from his practice, like having just finished some sessions and it's very heavy, right? Mm-hmm. And he comes and sits down and he's man, what are they that I had? And he's not gonna talk about the issue with the, the clients, but about how he feels about the day and everything, and then at home and everything. And one thing that he says at, at the end is, man, I really needed this. This is my therapy. Exactly. You know, being able to have the space to talk yeah. about something without the title or without yeah. me being the one having to like guide or anything like. He's a therapist, but he's just another brother sitting in the circle. He's, yeah. he's not even facilitating. Sometimes I take a leadership. Sometimes he's, sometimes that somebody else is, is going to smother yeah. because it's just a conversation. We're doing check-ins and based on whatever is said, then another guy can say, but have, how do you really feel about that? Or it's yeah. not like one person moderate. It's just us. Yeah. Same space. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so he, he's a therapist who has a therapist and then says, <laughs> but I actually need this. Yeah. Because this is different. This is community. This is tribe. This is like yeah. at its core, like the back to our ancestors, like sitting around the campfire. Mm-hmm. Type of thing. Yes. You know? There's something about like when you're, if you go to therapy, it's oftentimes you go there, it's private, it's one-on-one with one other person. And it can feel a little bit like the way it, the way that it's set up, it can feel like that it's hidden oh, we don't want anyone else to know about the fact that I'm having trouble in my marriage or I'm having trouble feeling uh, depressed or whatever. But when you go and you're in a circle of, like you said, a brotherhood, now you're putting it out there, and but it's not hidden. And so you, it changes how you feel about it and how you see other people respond. And by being vulnerable, they share as well. And you feel like, hey, I'm part of something, even though not everybody's going through what I'm going through. So there's a real fundamental difference, and I totally get that. Um, and I think that's really one of the powers of what you do, because you're the the qualities of who you are attract these people who really resonate with that vision and that mission, and that that's what's shaping this it, to me and guiding it and getting it started. That seed, really, if you will, and I I, I think you're onto something that's really important, and so I. To me, it's, yeah, hopefully you can keep getting more media grants and to do more films and videos and things like that will really help help people because 
like you said, in New Zealand, those people could use that brotherhood, Africa, all over the country. I could see you doing yeah. this in Los Angeles. Before we go there, like we want to actually be able to build enough capacity to cover other cities in, in America, right? Yeah. And we've been asked to go to the Bay Area, to Portland, to, to Atlanta, mm -hmm. to yeah. Chicago. We sure. it's about we had to take one step at one step at yeah, a time. Until we yeah. cement we do like within New York and we have a good team there. And last year we did about 12 camping trips between May and, and October. We did about we did 13 day hikes with we, we did two backpacking trips, one of them which we brought kids from New York to Colorado. Yeah. And then we did, we started programming in Colorado and it's looking like next in 2024 in Colorado, we're going to be doing at the very least four camping trips, one backpacking trip, at least for, at least for hikes. And I'm talking about the ones that we have put on the calendar the, the, as we working towards the programming next year, yeah. we're doing a, a, a backpacking trip, but we're also doing a bikepacking trip. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we have guys here who actually go cross country bikepacking and that we want to introduce mm -hmm. that. We're going to do a group of bike rides uh, as well. Oh, yeah. And, nice. and, and even career panels mm -hmm. about the outdoor industry because in this space, not so much in New York, and obviously we want to take that there too, but being that we're in Denver, Colorado, the outdoor industry you know, is, is huge here, whether sure. you're in the nonprofit space or the, or the, or the retail or some, something like Patagonia, right? So be, being able to, show these kids a sort of a pathway if they're interested, right? It will be amazing. We are going to continue to bring kids from New York here to be exposed to, to the Rocky Mountains, but also to that industry. Yeah. And then the goal is to also bring kids from Colorado there and highlight this cross-country experiences, right? Let's call it. Yes. Uh, and then once we cement Colorado the way that we have have a good footprint in New York, then we can move on to the next, let's go to the West Coast. Yeah. And yeah, but until then, we need to cement here. And another thing that I want to offer as we, I know that we're coming to an end here, is that we embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion, because that's something that we need someone to embrace us as well. We're creating that. We're creating the spaces sometimes that we wish was created for us. And we work with young men of color because how they started, a bunch of dudes, relatable mentorship, right? So right. we, that's how we can be more, most effective working with the younger versions of ourselves. We have always been asked, but what about the girls? I'm like, yeah, it's not relatable mentorship if we're a bunch of dudes. <laughs> yes. Um, but as we, even how we started this initiative wasn't even an organization. It was right. an initiative from this man. We then realized that it was costing us a lot of money <laughs> out of pocket and that we needed to uh, start a nonprofit so that we can scale. Yeah. But it wasn't the original intention to even start a profit because now we have to run a profit organization which is sure. a lot more work than we a lot of work were bargaining for and again it was like the brotherhood let's give back let's work with kids or oh, let's start this initiative so yeah. that we can have actual programming that we can offer to other to, to non-profit organizations like we mm -hmm. were supporting others yeah so then it's wow we have all these kids that we want to be able to have a, a relationship with them direct so let's have our own pipeline for that. And we need the funding to do more. Okay, so let's start this. Now we have to run a nonprofit organization. But at that point, all of that is the history of, this is just the men coming together and then having this thing. But to embrace diversity and inclusion also means if we have gained this uh, knowledge and, and have built this curriculum and have are getting these resources, 
as we navigate this space and become more proficient at it, then something else can happen, right? Like now we can maybe take in a sister organization that may not have an outdoors program, but are working with young yes. girls, yes. or to maybe even create that arm of the organization where we have women of color or women mm-hmm. work with who they can relate to, young yes. women. Yes. But we can offer that, what we have, the house that we created, the resources, the knowledge, the gear, the access to land for them to do that. Yeah. The training. Sure. So I don't have to do it myself. I don't have to, I can't because the focus is related with mentorship, but they yes. can. Yes. So we can embrace that and, and support that. Right. And yeah. then we go into the LGBTQA community. Yeah. We may have even within those two camps, young men yeah. and women who fall under that, but we need to have that pipeline top mm-hmm. to bottom of being able to relate and then that can be created too and then we talk about people with physical disabilities so from diabetes to 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 muscles or to blindness whatever that is yeah when you now have this big house that embraces diversity equity and inclusion where we have the funding where we have the capacity where we have the knowledge when we have the gear and all these things that can be shared now we now we can say in the month of august we can do Several through without disrupting the men's program, the young men's program, we have enough to share. So we can also do the young girls program and then we can do the, these things. Yeah. As we climb, we uplift. Yeah. That's part of the long-term vision, right? But for now, we need to secure and ground like what we have cemented. So yeah. before we go into any other states, because Colorado was very strategic mm-hmm. because it, it's, there's a support for this kind of effort that then can affect what we do in New York. Um then we can take on all of that. Yeah, It needs to be one step at a time, right? But that's the vision, is camping to connect. And if we talk about connection, then it, it doesn't have to be about one demographic, one box. So yeah. at, the end of the, at the end, it's going to be camping to connect people. Yes. Right? Yes, 100%. And it's really what's needed in our world. And I, I really could see, I've really been impressed with the outdoor industry, the outdoor gear and clothing industry, because it seems like what they are doing with out- outdoor Afro and room app and some of the other, they, they're very open to this because on one hand, it's going to open up a new market for them to sell jackets and clothes and gear. Yeah. But at the same time, I think there's also an intention of wanting to see a positive change in the world as as a result of that as well so i I really see that partnership hopefully becoming stronger where that the money that they make part of that money those companies make can go into work like yours that will again stabilize that support it and help it grow and give you still the freedom to do what you do absolutely yeah it's a it's been a pleasure talking with you uh, I'm so honored to be able to hear your story. And I know, do you mind sharing? I'll have all your links and everything in our show notes, but do you want to just share one of the ways people can go and find your website or Instagram or whatever? I think it's camping. To- yeah, Instagram, absolutely. So. They can definitely visit campingtoconnect.org. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Camping to Connect. For myself, Manny Almonte, and also one, num- number one. M-A-N-N-Y-C for us, my Instagram handle, which is interesting. One man, NYC, one man in New York City, one man in New York. 
which is funny. My my name is Manny. My last name is Almonte, mm-hmm. which literally means Almonte means to the mountains. The mountains, yes. you know, Latin. <laughs> my name is Manny, so M-A-N-Y. So man from New York goes to the mountains. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's all built in. It's built in. It was meant to be. It's, yeah. it's built in. Exactly. I'm a city mountain man. <laughs> you are. You are. And, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and uh, sharing this all with everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ricardo. You bet. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator, nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.